Mike Rundle. Mike Rundle. Mike Rundle. Mr. Rundle. Please, my, please call me Mike. Mr. Rundle. Mr. <laughs> Mike Rundle. Mike Rundle. Man, comedy gold. Comedy gold, these guys. Tell you what. Oh, my God, they're back. Oh, my God, it's the Gremlin. Yeah, if there's somebody in your house. <laughs> Don't turn around. Somebody call the Gremlin exterminator, Mike Rundle. <laughs> guys, this underlighting is really doing no no favors to me at all. <laughs> this is like, I look like Mike Rundle. Who the hell's Mike Rundle? Mike Rundle. Mike Grell? Grendel? I thought you guys were doing a Grendel thing earlier. I mean, we could. Because that was Mike Grell, right? No. <laughs> Fuck. No, that wasn't Mike Grell. Damn. <laughs> it's Mike Rundle. It's just a Grundle joke, Roman. <laughs> I don't get it. You know, like a Grundle. Mike Grundle. You know, like uh, a Grundle. Like your package. The, the, the fleshy your under thunder. I quit with the Grundles there. It was, I'm going straight to my thighs. It's your Grundle. Oh, Mike Grundle. My Grundle. Mike Rundle. <laughs> Welcome to the Comics Place Presents a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. I'm Mike Rundle. And I'm on... <laughs> and I've got... I've got a package of entertainment for you. Welcome to the Comics Place Presents a Perfectly Simple Podcast. It's episode 287, the Mike Rundle Experience. Welcome aboard, everyone. As you guessed, we are going to talk about comic books. And we're going to probably bring up at various times a fictional person who has a persona that they go by Mike Rundle. It's something we're workshopping. Um, play along. and uh, Listen along. Listen along. Read along and, with us in your book. And for those reading along at home, we don't have an email from Will today, but I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Mike Rundle. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so good. <laughs> oh, um. Anyway, so we're gonna talk about a number of books this week, and it'll be very serious. Every week we read a stack of comics and yeah. pick our favorite one, and we call that the. Oh wait, that's a different intro. That's an old. But we intro. talk about a bunch of comic <laughs> books that we read from the comic shop that we all run together because we're a bunch of like a triumvirate of buddies that run mm -hmm. a, a comic book shop. Uh, and then we come back for this little audio space that we've created, chiseled out of the podcasting sphere to engage a variety of, variety of attentions, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read, the comic shop we own, or the comings and goings of our lives. Hurts so Jeff. good. Yeah. I'm Django. That's Mike Grundle. Yep. Mike. Yep. Mike. Mike. Mike Grundle. Hey, Mike. Hey, how, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Roman, I don't know what it is about tonight that made you think that just like a, like a white tank top shirt with the hair coming out and the sweaty, you know, the whole thing. Also, on the same day that you shaved your head, all, I mean, I get it, but I, I, I love that you coined Mike Grundle, but, uh, the hair's yeah. coming out, but not where you think. Not where you yeah. think. Well, thanks. Thank uh, hold, hold on a sec. Hey, babe, give me a beer. <laughs> oh, Mike. What in a Roman's, scamp. In Roman's fictional <laughs> persona, he has a wife that he yells, babe, get me a beer, too. <laughs> it's a little sad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not when you're thirsty. <laughs> oh, Michael. Oh, Michael. Michael, can I ask you a quick question? Shoot. Shoot. Shoot her up. 
Shoot her up. Shoot. Give me a Buck brood. shot. Jeff, you got a minute and 30 seconds. Go. Oh, <laughs> dude. I read a book called The Roadie by Tim Seeley with art by Fran Galan. And this movie, and by movie, I mean book, um, feels a little bit like it was written by Mike Rundle. It <laughs> comes off the tongue good. Um, there's always, you know, they're always like, a, we're going to do a book about rock stars. Or some or old rock stars, but there's always the devil involved. Like you can't just have like a book about <laughs> rock stars and stuff. They're like, we're gonna have the devil, and like you know, there yeah, there's a scene of like a guy who has a tongue made of maggots in this, and there's a scene of a naked lady crawling out of a television. There's also lots of pages of uh, Gibson's, uh, you know, <laughs> William Gibson's, um, and then Django. The name of the band is uh, is Mass acre so i thought of you because that seemed like a it it was very confusing i don't think it was great um but i just had to bring up like why can't we just get a book about musicians and not devils also thor 27 pretty ho hum over here buddies this is like al ewing and donny cates and they get into some weird i don't think i really care for the stuff that's going on with venom right now he's eddie brock who's like a good guy who's controlling all the symbiotes with his brain and like he's he's like magna venom he's everywhere he's like roy kent um I, I don't know it seems like a bad excuse to do a crossover just because you got ewing and and kate's together i also read the human target and that was good and it's not in the main rundown i gave the roadie a 6.0 and i gave thor 27 a 7.0 so some pretty mundane scores to start this podcast off with I man you it. really you really gotta work <laughs> up to a buckshot you know like i you know i wasn't ready for it i'm still that's, that's weren't you a trick weren't you excited by that the thing I was excited about with that issue of Thor is has the return of Darkoth the Death Demon. So no, because I didn't know if that was real or old or if we cared and was it well done. I didn't think so. So I mean, not that I, I just always thought he was really cool looking. Is yeah, that Mike or Roman? Oh, this is Roman. Okay. Mike doesn't read comics. <laughs> I can't. Mike never learned how to read. Mike never learned how to look at pictures. He was always it, too thirsty. Was the road the roadie book though? Did it have like? Did it seem insightful and authentic? Other than the devil things no. about musicians on tour. No, no, no. He's like a roadie for a musician, and like turns out that maybe the devil had a daughter, but it's actually that he had had a coital relationship with this person who maybe was a demon. They're like summoning demons with music, but not in like a cool way. It it, it was <laughs> and really confusingly told. There were some time jumps that didn't really make sense. It, it was, it was, but it was, you know, very sexy, you know, Tim Seeley makes a sexy horror book, like okay. hack slash, like that's kind of his thing. So, so not to derail you before, oh my like, God, derail things before oh. we even get to the table of contents of this oh. episode. But what music mashup do you think you would like more? Because you're okay. right, there have been a ton of devils and demons and music mm-hmm. and rock mm-hmm. and roll. Mm-hmm. So if you could do rock and roll, but with a twist, I feel like that gunning for hits was pretty good because it was like rock it and was... roll, but then kind of a scam, you know, because it was like all yep. the A and R stuff and recording label stuff that went into it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, like. I don't I don't even need it to be mashed up with stuff like you could just tell some slice of life stuff. That'd be into that. You don't. But comics require yeah, it. Yeah, it yeah like... you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sci fi, man. So everyone's Ooh. got a computer guitar, right? OK, everyone jacks into the sphere to go to live, quote unquote, music events where you're all in a virtual space together and you're all battling with your music acts computers i love it okay love thank it. you 
what about you what would you like it with you don't care about music you don't want it gosh i mean i only really read horror and spy stuff so um <laughs> and crime <laughs> which is spy yeah it's 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 so close to spy i would say maybe uh like a like a good rock and roll okay okay here it is okay it's a band playing the forrest gump role throughout the dc universe hmm. so they're in the background of all these seminal events yeah, in you the need DC to, universe. You need to pitch that to Mark Russell. That's an awesome yeah. idea. That's a yeah. great idea. Thanks. I know. And it can be just this recurring bit about why no one ever gave them any accolades because they're always standing next to superheroes and that's who people think are really cool, but they're right, always there. At they have these like little man cons like <laughs> Oh, we're talking about licks. Sergeant Rock and the <sighs> The we're talking man. about DC Comics Horror presents Sergeant Rock versus the <laughs> Alien Zombies Army of the Dodd. Army of the Dodd. <laughs> Um, we're also going to talk about Briar number one and Amazing Spider-Man number 10. We're going to talk about After Sc Skybound Horror presents After School Spooky Time number three. We're going to talk about Superman Space Age number two. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to wrap it up with a little Tim Drake number one. We also are going to find out from Roman if Axe Avengers Judgment Day, like they told us, was important to read. One of three of the most important tie-ins for the overall Who told event. us that? The editor-in-chief of Marvel. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that. Don't you give those away to me, Mike, you little rundle buddy. <laughs> bro. Did you say bro? That was supposed to be bro and burp. Bro. Mike Rundle doesn't belch. He just says the word burp. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Rundle doesn't belch. It's more of a two. <laughs> yeah. Ain't got time to belch. Squirt. <laughs> oh man you know mike grundle can squirt a flame out <laughs> from 10 feet away light your cigarette with it it's very targeted <laughs> he's, got, he's got a very targeted grundle mike grundle mike grundle can squirt i can lay on my back <laughs> no no dude you gotta lay in your stomach arch your hips a little get your aim <laughs> mike 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 why do i keep inviting you into my home okay um, I'm I see the, the reason I got stuck on this is that I'm looking at the most gorgeous cover of the week for this DC Comics purposes, <laughs> but it doesn't have the title because it's a virgin Frank Quitely cover. Oh, it's a so what, cover. what was the name of this comic and why did they oh. let Bruce Campbell write this? DC Horror presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dode. Dode? Dead. No, it's Dode. Um, what'd you guys think? I was not going to read this and then I opened it up and I was like, oh, the art is so pretty art is so yeah because i have no actual fondness for bruce campbell which i know just made william elmer angry somewhere <laughs> he's gonna like listen to this when it comes out he's like oh yeah like three days ago i did get weirdly angry at 8 55 at night and it was it, that this is what that was i sent a ripple through time man i am not a sergeant rock fan and i'm not really a this kind of zombie fan but i am a world war ii fan um <laughs> and i like the i like the way the zombies worked in here and the art is amazing like almost anybody could have written this and i think i would have enjoyed going through the book yeah i don't um, i don't think it was poorly written at any point like no. i was kind of ready to be like wow they really they teamed a jabroni up with eduardo riso but yeah it could have been any kind of working class comic writer you know it, i don't think it was poorly written at all which surprised me because I, I guess he's written an autobio and stuff that is liked so maybe he does have a voice for he's written a few writing. comics too yeah okay 
Yeah, oh, and he's I... written a couple autobios, and he's written three or four books, actually. I bet he's yeah. written some of those TV shows he was on. Yeah. If I had to guess, Burn Notice or something. I really like the scene where they're going through the tech that they're going to use to infiltrate the enemy. Mm-hmm. And they all have, like, they have these super high-tech James Bond kind of things, like night vision and walkie-talkies and heat vision. Like all super standard things that yeah. we have, but they're like, oh, wow, this is super cool. You're too close talking on the walkie talkies. You got to get farther away. And you know, I bet I, that all of that comes it back into play later. Yeah. That and, and it's cool because I had to look it up because he calls uh, what looks like a walkie talkie, he calls it a handy talkie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, okay, is that a joke? And I had to look up, no, that's an actual thing in World War II. They developed walkie talkies, but they weren't called walkie talkies. They were called, actually called, handy talkies because you could hold it in your hand and it wasn't it wasn't you know wired to some guy's back in this big backpack right so yeah that's actually that's actual real world war ii history if i had to guess we're going to find out that the zombies are sensitive to sound and they're cold so their heat vision is going to fail them and then they're going to save the day by making the walkie talkies feedback where did you see heat vision Uh, the page right after like they can look through the wall oh uh, right Page right. right after the, the oh yeah the, yeah the thermal imaging yeah okay yeah. yeah yeah I see heat vision yeah you really yeah, can't... There was... sorry please oh no there was I was just gonna say top of page three the front lines Berlin and it, it's a silhouette of this bombed out church and some gravestones and yeah it's just a gorgeous shot yeah it really is I was just gonna say like you could you put this art with a, a like any writer and they will make it look like a really high caliber comic yeah like it just uh that's what caused me to make it all the way through, which, you know, I don't love zombies. I do love World War II stories, but I don't have a ton of affinity for Sergeant Rock either, probably because I haven't read many books with him in it. And also uh, that healing zombie at the end. is Yeah. Oh, pretty zombie. So if you're a zombie fan, and I love really the, like this. Yeah. And I love that it's a Nazi zombie. So it wakes up saying I, I live again, but it's in German. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, <laughs> so it is to be, to be continued. What? You said it's Nazi zombie. I say it is the zombie. Aha. Mike Grundle. Oh, Rundle. Mike Grundle. Uh, Mike, Rundle. Mike, Mike Rundle. The Rundle experience. Rundle, Rundle, Rundle. The Rundle down Undle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wonder if, because, you know, for years there was talk, there was <clears throat> Sergeant Rock movie being batted around and Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to play him. And Jeez. I don't know if there was ever a chance that Bruce Campbell was in consideration to play Sergeant Rock. And hmm. that's one of the reasons he wanted to do this he other than the good. obvious zombie stuff. He would be good. Also zombies or sorry, uh, Nazis make a really good villain. Tell you what, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. they're like evil. They can be on meth, you know, they, like in this, he's just like got all these, he's addicted to drugs. Like they're just the best villains, you know, they got the best logos. Like they're they they branded baddies. Yeah. Yeah. Good color, color combos. If this is your first episode, Sorry. We're not, we're not pro-Nazi. Yeah. Which is exactly what someone who just did all of that would say if they were pro-Nazi. Dude, the, the, the second page... Where, well, listen, we spoil things, too. If this is your first episode, also yep. we spoil things. Like, yep. on the second page, there's Hitler holding a severed head that he just Pretty tore good. off of a dude. They're it's magicians, a, it's so you know? Good. They're like, oh, they're the best villains. I, <laughs> I'm torn between a seven and an eight, you guys. I can't really go... I, I guess I gotta go eight because it really looks pretty incredible like roman said there's just any number of pages in here are just gorgeous pieces of art eduardo Rousseau, like they don't work a ton i wonder if it's that they're slow or that they just don't have to or what i mean they weren't slow when they were doing 100 100 bullets bullets that came out monthly 
on time if I remember right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. It's you know a lot of that's for the art, but if Rousseau's drawing the whole thing, I'll read all six issues, I guess. I was kind of excited for it to be a one shot, and then it turned out I agree. Issue thing. I got to the end, and I was like, oh god damn it, I was ready for this to be done. But I'll look at six more of this issues. Any day. That's how I feel six. about most Netflix miniseries, Django. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Roman, you had brought this to the table. Is there like, do you feel like you juiced this orange enough? No. Like, did you really like the? Did you feel like there was a Bruce Campbell voice in it? Do you you liked? I mean, is this a I, ten? I, Where are you coming from? With I this? didn't. I didn't particularly think there's anything. Well, I guess some of the, some of the dialogue, just some of the things people say, Rock says, and stuff. I could just, I heard it in a Bruce Campbell voice, like like a when he when they're in the muddy fields and he says keep it moving you blister foots mm, i mean that's a bruce like campbell that. line <laughs> but yeah other than that i didn't think it was particularly bruce campbellian um but i'm anticipating that and you know with zombies using the occult and nazis it's it's gonna get pretty wild so i'm i'm looking forward to that i gave it a eight okay okay time for highest score i don't i don't know if my barometer's off i was missed a week I, yeah. okay you like comics again <laughs> i don't know it would take a longer vacation than that. Um, that was a joke. That was a little bit of a goofer up for you. Hey, Django, you got on the horn and you called me this afternoon. You said, Jeff, if you do one thing today, make sure it is read Briar by Christopher Cantwell, German Garcia, uh, great villains, and Matthews Lopez. Um, and can you walk me through why that was the most important thing that I had to get done today? Man, I don't remember saying that at all, but, uh, you don't remember that phone call? <clears throat> no, but I would say that it Jeff, was, a... you're the best partner I've ever had. You're so good. Well, I thought I Reed just thought Breyer. that really hard. Oh, um, so this is, yeah, I, I thought it was really smart and well done and inventive. It takes, uh, Briar Rose, who is sleeping beauty from the fables. And instead of kissing her and waking her up, Prince Charming just marries her asleep and then a hundred years later she wakes up and uh is i guess she's woken up and has to has to kind of do battle right out of the gate but uh in that time the empire that her father had built and prince charming had had gone to battle for has crumbled and she's fighting rous's and like teaming up with uh like frost mini frost giants kind of <laughs> <laughs> this is a bitch an explanation jay you're killing it i I don't know, man. It was it was a super weird comic, but I really like the the jump forward into like sort of I've been a like it's it's like Rip Van Winkle. Yes. Yeah. Meets, meets sleeping um beauty. Sleep sleeping Rundle. <laughs> sleeping Rundle. <laughs> Mike Rundle shows up and doesn't kiss her. Just um, marries her. Get myself a kingdom. Yeah. I thought like right off the bat it had a really interesting or unique tone to it. Like it, it's a fantasy book, which I'm on record as not being my absolute favorite genre, like not one that I'm immediately drawn to. Mm -hmm. But the language was um, kind of in vernacular, but it was also comically in vernacular, not like comic books, but humorous, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, lots of instances of just like kind of clever, funny bits of whatever type of language this would be. Um, you know, what is it, Roman? Old English? Uh, sure. I think it's pronounced old the English. Roman, did you read this? Yeah, yeah, I read it. Okay. Well, what, what did you think of it? Yeah, maybe you can do better uh, than I did. I <laughs> fell apart. I fell I, apart, man. No, I no, no. Like, no, I no, no. You were, my you were face. great. Somebody bring in Mike. No, it was, I really liked it. It was great. Um, like Django said, the smartness of it. I mean, the fact that uh, Prince Charming is such a sleaze that he's just like, you know, 
I'm just going to marry this woman in a coma so I can inherit the kingdom. And it all goes to shit because she wasn't around, basically. Um, and the scene and the pages where she's just asleep for like 100 years and then she's finally rescued her. Beautifully done. There's yeah. other than the sound effects. There's no no dialogue or text bu- text bubbles. But, and I thought it was clever that the curse is still in effect, even though she's been laying there for you know however long a century, and she's desiccated. Somebody still kisses her, and she's resuscitated and starts you know becoming a full person again. Yeah, I really, I mean, I really did enjoy it. I was reading it, and I was thinking, okay, who's the audience for this? Is this kind of like a fun all ages fantasy story? And you're like, no, nope, there's like bad language and. Uh, pretty intense violence, and it's yeah, pretty scary. It's like, well, can't give this to my nieces, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yet. But yeah, I I really liked it. I really liked the turns that it took. It, it modernized sort of a, a fantasy story that we're all familiar with, and and did a cool a cool twist on it. And I think the art was really really gorgeous. And she's yeah. a badass. Yeah, I just love that you know she's thrown right out of waking up into needing to kill things, and it's just she's afraid to go back to sleep because she was asleep for a hundred years, and how traumatizing that would be. And yeah, that it. that was a really nice touch. I liked it when she wakes up; her throat is so dry, hmm. like she'd been sleeping with her mouth open, but for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that touch quite a bit. And I liked with all those things and the details and the action. There's you know a little bit of commentary about oh. Not only about gendered roles, but about slavery and mm-hmm. and you know being different, enslaving others. And yeah, the RUS is showing up. That was a nice touch. What is that? Rodents Ro- of unusual size. I don't believe oh. they exist. From, from Princess Bride. Right, right, right. We don't know who kissed her yet. That's the other thing. We don't. I thought it was. Oh wait, that was that's, that was the yeah. theme song of the Rodents of Unusual Size from the Princess Bride. That's excellent <laughs> stuff, Django. Excellent stuff. Somebody give the man a cookie. Somebody give that man his flowers. Oh yeah, I forgot. We don't Thirsty. know who kissed her. Somewhere I really the, sto- liked the way they some... obscured her face too. The art was pretty with that. Yeah, somewhere in the story, I I <clears throat> decided totally incorrectly that the person that kissed her was the uh, the Norish the. Mm. the dark elf mm. that she ends up in prison mm. with mm. but yeah that's not mm. who it is she eats the rat she eats the big rat i like the way that there was just some great silent storytelling that like pulled out and she was eating the rat so this is christopher cantwell who wrote halt and catch fire mm-hmm. and some other very cool things and yeah. iron man and dr doom she could fly she could fly um, first time we didn't write in common yeah and i I kind of wonder if this is uh, like a shot to turn this into a show or something, because it seems like yeah. a really, really good setup for a sh- an expensive show. That's what I was thinking while I was reading it. I was, you know, is this that? Because I think it would make a good television show. Uh, yeah. Not always do comic books feel like they're pitches for televisions, but sometimes there's an ineffable quality to them that uh, this one. I'd watch it. I'd watch and it. And I don't watch Game of Thrones. So did you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, I watched like the first four seasons or so, and then. Just could not muster up a fuck. That's interesting because I think Roman has watched the same amount as you, but he always refers to it as he's watching. He just needs to catch up. <laughs> and he's been saying that for like a Well, in, in the overall view of a lifetime, yeah, someday I'll finish it. <laughs> I won't. I don't think I will. But I'm only, he'll, you know, but I'm only on like season two. Surely. But I'll catch up. I'm in season three. I don't okay. know which episode now because it's been so long. I'll just have to start over. <laughs> well, have you three. met Holdor yet? I mean, Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty late that you made it, Django. Uh, no, I just heard spoilers. I, did, I didn't make it to Hodor. Like the, the Hodor Man, you reveal. just spoiled a bunch of spoilers for Game of Thrones, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, everybody. Django, you uh, jester. Guess what? Dutch no. lives at the end of Predator. Who's Dutch? 
Let's talk about a different book. You guys are pissing me off. Oh, that was his name? Did you you know that the Predator movies have two ex-governors and two Oscar winners? I gave it an eight. Uh, I give it a seven. Predator? Uh, Yeah, I'd I'd give Predator an eight, probably. Even though I can never remember the name Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. Dutch. Dutch. Did you say Ace? Yeah. Man, we're a mess, boys. No, Sorry, Ace everybody. was the seventh. This is my fault. This is my fault. <laughs> Ace was the seventh. I'm in a, I've companion. moved everyone. I, for the first time in years, I'm in a new room recording this podcast, and it's, it hasn't sunk in yet. I feel like I'm a visitor in a town that I should know. It's like returning back to your hometown after you've gone away to college. It's heartbreaking. Everything that you once loved is now foreign. The people that you used to give you comfort are strangers in your arms. It's absolutely, you know, I got Would you know. say like Return of the Fig Lie? This is a Star Wars joke. See, yeah. I don't know. I don't it know. Was, what this it was a Star Wars something or other. What What do you give Briar, Roman? Oh, uh, I give it a nine point five. Point five. What, what did you give it? Okay, yo, I give it a seven and a half. Seven point five. All right, is that, is that right? One seven point five. I gave Amazing Spider-Man number ten a ten. Oh. <laughs> Why? Okay. Oh, is this I like one of those movies that. where you show the end and then you re- re- like you say? So I was sitting earlier. down to read this comic earlier today, <laughs> and I thought to myself, Nick Dragotta on Spider Man. I don't know. Oh, that's right. Do I got it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually a big fan of Nick Dragotta, but this is a tie-in issue to Axe Judgment Day, and. It's certainly my favorite of them that I ever read. I'm excited to hear what Roman's thoughts on this were, but I always love any time where we get to see Gwen Stacy stuff because I love Gwen Stacy. And I really liked the way that they did a tie into Axe Judgment Day by having a manifestation of Gwen Stacy silently follow Peter around all day to like judge his actions because he's the judge. And um, spoilers, he's judged worthy and they reward him with getting to see Gwen Stacy for like just a minute. And then she dies. Well, then she goes away again. Um, I don't know if that's a reward or not. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was kind of torturous. I felt. Yeah, it was sad, but like the reason they did it was because he want they wanted Gwen Stacy to get a chance to see his giant giving heart, which is like you know he was kind of lamenting that the only thing that he worried about was you know like her, her thinking he's living a good life and stuff. So he got to kind of have his fear washed away because. He knows that now she got it was beautiful man man that sounds like a rough comic to read i'm <laughs> glad you liked it it was my favorite rough as in rough. tugging your tugging your tugging your mic strings yeah it tugged my mic strings but like there was just some great Yo. stuff all the way through <laughs> my mic strings my rundles uh, i loved yeah like there's a bit where he kind of regularly goes up to this place to hopefully run into ben riley who was just a clone of his you know old ben um yeah he's just giving i don't know it was just like it kind of reminded me of that friendly neighborhood of Spider-Man uh, issue that Tom Taylor did about the kid with cancer, you know, or mm-hmm. like the Chip Zdarsky one where it's just kind of the interview with everybody talking about stuff Spider-Man has done for them. Mm-hmm. That like Zdarsky, the artist, like it's just a great issue to me of what makes Spider-Man wonderful and Peter Parker's giant giving heart. And uh, yeah, I loved it. I love Gwen stuff. Roman, what'd you think? I also giant, I thought it was pretty funny. Giant given what? Heart. Oh, giant okay. Giving heart. Did you think I said fart, Mike? <laughs> no, I was hoping you were gonna say something else. Oh. Just, just so I could insert a wallop and web snappers. Oh, walloping with Mike Rundle and his old walloping web snappers. <laughs> I, uh, I liked it. The Spider-Man moment, the Gwen Stacy moment. I thought that was a. There's been a couple of these axe tie-ins where they've used a person from mm-hmm. the superheroes past in a really good, good touching ways. I was disappointed. Actually, it's funny. I thought I liked uh, Dragata's art. It's weird, and maybe, and, and maybe I have in the past, but I did not like it here. Yeah, there's um, 
there's yeah weird it's just him doing normal people and like costume characters we're used to seeing like stylized you know science fiction characters and stuff that must be it because yeah i was like i thought i i know that name but why doesn't this remind me of anything else he's done but yeah there's a couple i would give it a higher score except there's just some pages of peter peter's face and like on the last page norman osborne's or i don't know he's distraught or i can't tell what that expression Hmm. is on his face but his face just suddenly becomes like a distended pointy web with a gaping ripped hole that's a mouth and i'm like what the hell's happening here So yeah, I wish I wish the art was. What else has Dragada done? He did all of East of West. He just did that book. Okay. It was like Ghost Cage. It was black and white. All right, right. Um, yeah, okay. So yeah, I liked his art and on those things. Here, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think like, his Gwen Stacy looks good. His men are weird and like there's a really strong like kind of manga influence in it. It's got uh yeah um kind of an Araujo look to it. Um yeah, I don't I like it, but. I wouldn't want a lot of it. It was just nice to see it, but it was, you know, I don't feel like it was a perfect fit. Sorry, Django. What? Is this the first time we've seen him in color? No, East of West was in color. Was it? Barely, right? No, it was in color, man. Really? I thought it was super, <laughs> super muted. Like huh. really muted, solid colors everywhere. Maybe I'm just thinking of the covers. Hmm. I read um, it during we, a really dark but, time in my life, Jeffrey. It was the <laughs> pandemic. I love like, you know, the... Gwen Stacy within her was like upset that he was working for Norman, like when Norman showed up and and he was like, he kind of freaked out. Norman took me a minute to remember like, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, and there's the the Straczynski universe where like they had kids together. But regardless, like he killed her like um, it was I I really liked that. Actually, I I really just liked how the first three pages were written. Like you're on the phone with Peter talking to Tony Stark and it like it's a it's a well paced, funny one page reveal, like with a two page heavy text build up. And uh, yeah, I I I really like the Zeb Wells stuff. I really like the Zeb Wells stuff. So, so what do you 10, give it? 10. I give it a 10. I give it a 10. Oh, oh, you know, strangely enough, you're right. Uh, the women, and let's, he draws their faces better, though. I had no idea that was Kamala <clears throat> Khan. Um, yeah, but it also looks much more like uh, a person with a, of a different ethnicity where like Kamala does, but also it almost just seems like with their coloring at times, you could change it. Like, I, I don't know, the facial features of her in this, I thought were pretty nice and nicely done. Yeah. One of the interesting things that occurred to me in a couple panels, and now I can't find them, but I thought Gwen especially the close-ups of her face with her, I don't know, her haircut and her eyes. I thought, that looks like Sam. No. Did you, did you see that? No, no. Like there's this one panel when she's, she's talking to Peter and they're both starting to cry. Maybe that's when I, that's why I gave it a 10. Anywho. (laughs) Anywho. Anyway, anyway, I gave it, I gave it an, I gave it an eight. Yeah. I love it, everybody. Okay. Listen, um, we got a little bit of business to talk about here and it's after school business special number three. I didn't read this. Roman, did you read this? I read it. Django, did you read this? Sure did. The Good one Lord. by Jill Bloatvogel with Marley Zarconi and Lisa Sturley. Yeah. That's How did names. you know? Those are nice names. I, there's not a lot of after schools out there, but I was guessing oh. it was that issue. Okay. 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 Bloatvogel. It's a pretty good name. Bloatvogel. It is. Let's oh, go down to the I didn't, I didn't read it. So, Roman, are you uh, oh. driving this boat? Who's driving I like this. Boat? I like this a lot. The end. All no, right. this is very clever. <laughs> Mike this Rundle. Is, this is very this is very clever. I mean, I want to see this movie. It's um this family where the 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 youngest kid, the little sister, is on the autistic spectrum. Um, and it just introduces you to the characters and the older sister, you know, she's kind of tired of her little sister and you know, dealing with all this stuff. And it establishes their relationship. 
and the little girl and the art is beautiful and the little kid's really cute she's adventuresome but it ends up becoming a, a home invasion slasher whoa story um and, and and spoilers it turns out to be a you know a guy the teenager knows but the clever the thing i think is so new and different is the little girl who's on the spectrum she's she's so smart and stuff she figures out ways like in the moment to fight this slasher person and and it's just so clever because the, yeah, the way like they a... show it it's like yeah and, and yeah and she's not like a, a super girl or anything it just seems it all makes sense in the context of the story and the context of her personality that she'd be able to and, and she's nonverbal. um she's a non-verbal jason born mm. like using and her shorter. surroundings as weapons and, and you say and shorter roman yeah that's yeah, important. It is. That's, yeah. that's right. Jason Bourne was tall as a regular old man, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like he was a regular an adult size. man. Yeah, no. So I, I remember when I was a kid, my dad took me to see the very first uh, Bourne Identity film, and it was like kind of late at night, and I think I had like packed a blanket because I was young. This is an older movie, and I had gotten some candy, and I sat down. And as soon as it started, I was like, "That is a regular sized guy." <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's a little kid man in a bear costume no not at all like that is a that's a regular sized adult (laughs) i love that bear costume with the little girls wearing the guys and the way she's in the background of the panels she's just like jumping around in the house like she jumps off the stairs um inside it's very cute i thought it did a really good job of setting up the family dynamics that they had um both of the adults are kind of just totally worn out and kind of shitty to the kids but not like bad parents just totally exhausted by having these these two kids in their lives and and the i thought it was cool that the dad wasn't like cheating on the mom he was just uh video game <laughs> dork Jake always yeah, thinks always it's po- super played. super awesome when someone manages not to cheat on the mom he's always <laughs> like, like yeah he's just God, that's super super cool he's not having an affair super <laughs> like, super cool usually yeah, that's, just... that's the go-to when you've yeah. got a shitty husband and this one he's just hanging out with a dude on the video game shooting people in the i game. just love i love the yeah, idea down in the basement <laughs> i really dug that that dude wasn't cheating on anybody <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I think I thought all the twists in this were good, and the 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 whole thing. It's this series has been really interesting because it's not comic creators in general doing comic books, and uh, some of them have worked better than others. I think this had some of the better comic book storytelling of the after school issues. Yeah, yeah, and I forgot about that. That yeah, about the creators because I, I don't know if they said in this one, but this is very um, cinematic. Yeah, this would, a, this would make a great movie. Well, what do you give it, Roman? Um, oh, Jill E. Blotvoga, uh produced the TV show Scream. Oh, okay, okay. And also wrote this comic that we're reading. That is such a great name. Oh, I'm feeling a little Blotvogel myself. I was wondering what Mike's score was. <laughs> yeah, Mike, what was your Blotvogel? Well, you know, halfway through, I got a little lost. Uh, I think a little drunk, so I don't know. <laughs> Eight, Two, nine, eight, 15. Fuck it. Have fun. <laughs> Roman, what about you? Um, I gave it a nine. I'll give it an eight. Good comic. Good, good little thriller comic. Um, Roman, can I ask you a question? Sure. Was Axe Avengers Judgment Day number one shot important to the story of Judgment Day? Well, let's see. I read this this afternoon. It's Django. Uh, so, so, Roman, hmm. while you think about that, I just want to get Django yeah. up to speed. So this Axe Judgment Day thing? Mm-hmm. So in the first issue, and the things that were kind of building up to it, the, 
Eternals, who are on Earth to fight the Deviants, right? Right. The Eternals decide that mutants are technically deviants, so they need to kill them all. Do they decide that technically all humankind is mutants? No. Um, So all mutants are deviants, they need to kill them. And the Avengers are like, well, no, that's not legit. And the Eternals are like super powerful and they worship the Celestials because they made them. So in the first issue, you know, because Jason Aaron, like they've been living in a celestial body in the Arctic. Right. They're like, we're going to wake up this Celestial. And that way he'll tell all these Eternals like, no, don't kill the mutants. And they wake up the Celestial and this Celestial's <laughs> like, whoa, I don't think I like any of you guys. <laughs> I'm going to judge the entire Earth tomorrow. And if you are, if you don't impress me, I'm going to annihilate all the life here. That is one of the Avengers' biggest fuck-ups. Like, we're yeah. going to wake up this Celestial and we'll use it to stop the Eternals. Oh, that fuck, seems now like, wants to kill it. Like, Roman that seems like if Spider-Man right? was in charge of the Avengers, like, he could have that on his conscience forever. It's just a kind of crazy yeah. premise. I was kind of, like, just trying to, like, connect dots today. I was like, whoa, this is all just kind of like, wow, we really fucked this thing up. And they've got one day to, to prove that humankind is worthy. Yeah. Or is, are they including horses and shit? Yeah, all life. No, humankind. Oh, I thought okay, all life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're not seeing any video, you know, things of frogs doing it, but yeah. do bugs have little tiny celestials that they hang out with? Hard to judge morality for a bug, but I bet celestials are all, you know, like overmind enough. So, Roman, all of that to say, did this introduce a new element to that story that changes things or does anything I, important? I didn't think so. I mean, mainly it's an issue about um judging horses. How how, how Iron Man Tony Stark is judged and spoilers, he passes. Um, and it, you know, it had some good insights into Tony and that's always fun. Cause you know, he's such a, and it's a story point, you know, he keeps, he fucks up so much and he keeps fucking up. I don't know why the Avengers let him do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he created this thing, but at the end, I guess this is the, why it's important. He tells the various, the handful of Eternals and Avengers and stuff and X-Men around him, you know, you know, it was testing me. And, and if it's still testing me, it's still testing us. And if it's still testing us, we're going to pass and we're going to save every, any, everyone to be continued. It's like, oh, okay. So it's the idea but, that but, like he's... But I feel like these are coming out. I don't know. Maybe I feel like these are coming out of order because I thought reading this, I thought, well, I thought it already passed judgment. And he and, said that you failed. and Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it's really that important. I guess maybe, I don't know. Maybe he intended, Kieran Gillen intended it to be. It didn't feel that way to me, but it's interesting that it's basically just what the amazing Spider-Man issue was or whatever, but like with yeah. a different character. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, my favorite things about <clears> it were just the Tony Stark, you know, analysis and stuff. And that was interesting. The rest, I, I didn't care. Um, I don't quite know why it matters if it's still testing us. Yeah. That we're going to pass. How, how do you arrive at that conclusion? Yeah. Well, he's smarter <laughs> than us, apparently. What was your score for it? Oh, um, I gave it a six. Wow. Okay. Diabolical. Django, 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 baby. Yes, Jeffrey. Um, Superman Space Station number two. Do you got some stuff for me? Uh, you want some juice? I want some juice. Juice that orange. Google juice. Super Ew. juice. This is the last comic I read this week so far, and it's probably the funniest and one of the more heartwarming ones. Um, you read it, right, Roman? Yeah. I love that Superman goes to the Seagull Bar. S-E-A-G-U-L-L, but it's like uh, like his creator, Siegel, 
Um, oh, I didn't even get that. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> because it's the only bar in town that serves ice cold milk. <laughs> like that's on like page five. And that's, yeah. that's a good little Superman gag. Um, and then he saves the earth from an asteroid and just keeps bringing it up to everybody he talks to. <laughs> like this is, this is the most unsure Superman I think we've seen because <laughs> he's, he's got kind of a chip on his shoulder. He's, he's kind of torn down by uh, Lois and in order to kind of deflect uh, her very pointed questions about how powerful he is, he's like, I just saved the earth from <clears> asteroid. <throat> and she ignores that. And he says it again. And he's like, man, this interview isn't as much fun as I thought it would be. Because that was really, really funny. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't got... realize the first on the first page, actually, the on the awning behind uh, the pimp guy who looks at least in that panel, I thought was, oh, it's uh, Harvey Keitel's character from Taxi Driver. <laughs> but the bar behind him is CBGB's. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of nice little, you know, they're on the, they're on Bowery and Bleecker street. Um, yeah. Lots of nice little background things. Uh, David Bowie's got a billboard in a panel. Lois Lane is uh, like dealing with the um, oh, yeah, Watergate. Watergate. Superman st- saves the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's almost like, and I, I guess the first issue was like this too, but it's kind of like Forrest Gump throughout the ages uh, as Superman, <laughs> right? Because he's yeah, there he is, like standing in front of Elvis, shaking Nixon's hand, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, and then like smack in the middle, there's a really upsettingly sad war story that has like a classic Mark Russell um, moral to it. Don't spoil the war story for me. No, I won't. Thanks, Django. Fucking brace yourself, buddy. I can't wait to read it. Just, just great twists all around. I don't trust that chauffeur. I think he's gonna turn out to be Mister Mitsipidlik or something. Barry is just such a dummo throughout this whole thing. Um, it's just, just like I was, I was laughing out loud sitting alone at a bar reading this. Uh, right, right before the podcast. Um, really super, super well done on Mark Russell and the Alred's side. Wow, I like I. Got home from work tonight, um, and I'd stopped at my favorite taco truck and got some tacos. So I was sitting in my backyard. Tacos El Tool? Re- yeah, reading this and and eating three crispy tacos with refried beans and rice. Um, I like I like that you were in a bar doing the same thing. Yeah, tacos sound good, but I'm full. Thanks. Sam's yeah, making uh, tofu and parsnips and a bunch of other vegetables baked in homemade pest. Ooh, pretty excited pesto. about it. Kilroy is dead. Yeah, this <laughs> that's, that's some of the the, the graffiti. Oh right, and that Batman's building, yeah. like red rum all over it, a big capital M, like no mutants, which is it's got to be something that uh, Marvel's gonna have something to say about um, oh i was oh, that what, i thought it was just a reference to the the mutants gang in gotham oh i could see that too that's even better um yeah the the ugh, fucking mark russell man he just writes good <laughs> comics yeah yeah and, and there's some i assume it's some flash forward stuff because we see superman except the yellow on his insignia has been replaced <clears> with black so i guess it's like far future superman in the far future after earth's been desiccated by brainiac i think that's a different earth or is that a different it gives, completely it gives different, us a su- different okay. earth designation i'm pretty sure that it's not the superman we've been following okay it's the kingdom come superman judging yeah. by the well the uh, insignia anyway and yeah i like the batman bits in this too his narration and superman's narration is the contrast between the two and just the way they think is was really well done and both of their goofy costumes and flash doing all the bomb stuff like <laughs> like as a reference to the old batman movie yeah, yeah. I think 
I think this is a uh, 10.0 for me. Exciting. I think, uh, yeah, what the hell? I'll give it a 10. It was really What fun. the hell? Look at you dropping trow and pissing into the wind. We're a gooey duo. Oh. A gooey D is what I like to call it. I'm sorry I didn't read it yet. Gooey guys. D. Gooey D. Move over, Tenacious D. Now you got gooey D. I'm gooey D Williams. Oh, God. Got a couple of mics on my hand. <laughs> the Rundle buddies. The Rundle bros. The Rundle I'm Ron bros. Rundle. This is my brother, Mike Rundle. Um, <laughs> Rundle's Ron going rogue. Oh, Rundle buddies. Guys, did you both read Tim Drake Robin? Nope. I'm going to Rundle down while you do this. <laughs> Roman, did you read this? I did. I guess mostly I just wanted to talk to you both, you know, being assured that Django would have read it and, you know, reads it and re- read it and what happened. Nah. <laughs> I, we got to talk about Riley Rossimo's art. Roman, what do you think about Riley Rossimo's art? Can you um, like data dump all your thoughts on me? All my th- thoughts? Yeah. Like, um, well, you know, it's, I loved his art, like on what the first series where his name rose to prominence on proof, which was a Sasquatch that joined like a, a, a CIA or no FBI type of organization that only mm-hmm. did cryptids. I love it on that kind of thing. I'm not, I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm not, a, I like his art, but I'm not a big fan of his art on mainstream superhero comics. Cause I just, I just don't think it fits. He's moved through a number of styles and like, yeah, there was like that older style around proof. Cause that was a while ago. That was like yeah, 15 no, was... or 13 years ago or something. Yeah. Maybe longer. Yeah. Um, but then like, uh, like seven years ago or so, or six years ago, when like Batman Rebirth was going on, he was doing that Batman Shadow story. And I really liked that kind of intermediary mm. art of his because it was starting to introduce some of these elements of kind of cartoonish caricatures, but wasn't so far gone. He was doing yeah. the art in Harley Quinn lately in this, and <clears throat> I love looking at it. And but I don't love necessarily reading it, but as I continue this one on, like I love all of the like the page of like the the whole kind of sewer or like the dock or wherever he's at. I don't know why he's living on a boat, but like with all these different bubbles of people like zooming in like a cross section of a town or like there's awesome atmospheric art like that. Or when he brings his friend that was in the Ion Robin organization onto the boat and there's like the cutaway of the boat, the cross section. I love yeah. stuff like that. Like his environments are awesome, but yeah, his body language and particularly like his faces and mm-hmm. the head shapes are just like so strange to me um yeah everybody has like kind of uh, i don't know like not older than infants but not much older than infant size heads yeah <laughs> and like proportions and you can feel like a soft spot spot somewhere that you're afraid you might poke too hard because then they'd putting out we call those yeah. reset buttons in the biz <laughs> yeah <laughs> but reset yeah you're right kids. i do i do like his environments <laughs> I, I like the cutaways <laughs> i was a little surprised because i thought that since he was talking about uh getting out from under Batman's wing and everything. I assumed he was in a different city, but no, halfway through the issue, I, we find out he's still in Gotham, just on the docks. <laughs> under Batman's wing. That, that was funny, Roman. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Django, they've still got, uh, like, he's still dating Bernard. I think this is the same writer who had introduced in Urban Legends, like that storyline of him meeting Bernard and starting to date. And yeah, I just okay. love that he isn't cheating on Bernard. I just love that he's it's not important. cheating. <laughs> I important. love that he's not cheating on him. Check back with me in 10 issues. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just really pleased that <laughs> Tim wasn't cheating on anybody. Um, <laughs> that's a thing I point out now. Um, I was expecting more of a laugh from you on that one. I was I was a little bit excited. Uh, I even made a note to do it. So, um, 
but maybe it's the rule of three when it comes back a third time. Hey, uh, Roman, this character that was from I Am Robin, I or We Are Robin. Do you remember that old organization? I Am, I am Urban Legends. There's a couple am- moments where it looks like she's speaking with sign language. Do you remember if this character always speaks with sign language and they're just sort of using words as a stand-in after they've introduced that she's speaking sign language? What did you make of that? I am Roman. That was, uh, and Roman is. <laughs> um, you know, we are I, I can't answer any of those questions because I didn't actually read I am Robin. We are Robin. But you read it. We everything. are Robin. I, I don't read everything. You I think I read the first so issue. full of shit. <laughs> I am Batman. <laughs> I we think are I read, Robin. I think I did read the first <laughs> issue and I don't know. I just, it didn't grab me. So I didn't continue. Did Bermejo write that? Did Bermejo do the art in it as well? I don't think I, he did the art. I don't, no, I don't think so. I, I think he was associated that. in some way. Um, I, I had the other, the opposite feeling about this issue. I liked liked the writing well enough, the art, meh, and some of the heads, and face shapes, <laughs> expressions on Tim's face. I was like, that's, yeah, I don't know. Um, I did like all the little stylistic things, like when Tim is standing there on the dock and he's looking at the the evidence, the clues and everything. And he puts it all together. Um, you know, that's murders in the Rue Morgue. And I thought, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, that's I, I really liked how it was written. I liked how like the characters' voices, I like his kind of new group of friends he's got here. Um, I do definitely prefer his art, like on the Batman Shadow series. Yes, definitely. Some, that's my some favorite. years ago favorite era of his stuff. But I, I think if you like Tim Drake, this is pretty great. Pretty great. It, and his environments, atmospheres, and kind of creative flourishes, like you pointed out, coupled with the writing, I think makes it enjoyable to read, even though it's grotesque in a way that I don't love. But also, like, <laughs> there are people who, like, don't love the way that Frank Quietly is grotesque, and it's, like, my favorite thing in the world, so. Mostly just the lips, I think, is their problem. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, Django, I got a question for you, and it involves 90 yeah. seconds of your life. Go. <gasps> Well, let's see. I read Pentagram of Horror number five. It's gorgeous. Red before black. It's just violent, dismemberment, heart eating, meat compressing, blood drinking. There's an amazing two page spread that is all teeth. (laughs) And each tooth is a panel of what's being put inside the mouth um full marks like this this is a disgusting thing that should not have been published i can't imagine they sold that many of them but it's it's one of the most gorgeous comics on the market right now Mm. uh also read sins of the black flamingo that was pretty good um there's only three guys on the cover what issue number is that is that four uh three Okay, it's not issue four. Um, oh, wait, maybe it is four. Yeah, it is four. The, four, four, the, four, four, the four sins of the Black uh, Old Dog by Declan Shalvey. This ha- has me very intrigued. I wish that you guys had read it because I have questions about it. The The storytelling, this might be a case where this storytelling would work better in a movie, um, but he's doing a good job of, of trying very hard to show us what's going on. Um, a, a spy a machine, maybe split times. Human target number seven, 10.0. And Hell is a Squared Circle by Chris Condon and Francis Biagini. Super bummer, wrestling, crime. Uh, I don't think that there's even quite a demon, although it is a little bit of a horror thing. Uh, Was it good? It was good. It was that Texas Blood Rider. So you, it's yeah. So that Texas Blood Rider. This feels like he's doing his flat out best to do like David Lapham level depressing one shot story. Um, But it's super super well done. I I would highly recommend. Um, Just don't read it when you're already down. Oh, were you already down, Bun? No, but I was by the time I was done. (laughs) Uh, Pentagram of Horror. 
10.0, something like that. Sins of the Black Flamingo, seven and a half. It's it's real solid, real gay, real weird, real real preacher vibes almost. Mm. Um, old dog, old dog gets an eight from me. I think think you guys might might like what he's doing in there. Human Target's a ten, and Hell's a Squared Circle gets an eight. Human Target gets a ten. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Roman, would you give Human Target a ten? Probably. Maybe a nine point five, ten. I only hesitate because, you know, it's been however many months it's been since the last issue of Human Target. So, as usual, Tom King, I was a little confused. I was like, oh, Ice, what? Does Fire know Ice is alive again? And she does, but I didn't realize that until toward the end of the issue when they're actually talking to each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but also I wonder if we had reread those, if it would, you know, how much sense it would have made. Yeah, I'm Uh, sure if I reread it all, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is seamless. It is really good. Yeah, there's a couple pages that are some of the most gorgeous single pages I've seen in quite a while yeah. in that issue. Um, I, w- I was actually reading that at uh, at the museum today, and I showed our, our gift shop manager. I was saying, look at this art. Just take a look at this comic. And he was flipping through it going, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know what problem I had this week was with Detective Comics? And uh, I know that we talked about it in the past, but I cannot. That's kind of like what you were saying. I cannot keep the thread of that main series from issue to issue. And then with this one starting with like like Damien getting a story told that went on for pages, yeah, and then was referenced later on. I was like, okay, like I I did get into the flow of it. I like it, but it's a it's a very weird period between issues for me. I think Rom V is writing a movie, Mm. not not an episodic TV show. Like this, I think this is meant to be read as a book, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that he gives you a lot of clues in between issues. Like there's there's not a lot of references telling you what happened last time mm-hmm. and, not at all yeah i think i think that that's just kind of our our burden to bear as weekly readers yeah kind of like yeah roman was just saying you know like yeah about human target you know yeah probably, probably a higher score if i had read the issue of detective comic right beforehand yeah yeah uh roman do you want a buckshot all right i oh, uh, can God, you do I it in the in the voice of i mean mike rundle yeah can you just let mike do it all right, right, right. right. let me buckshot buckshot so so i was out in the woods i'm tracking these deer at <laughs> wait wait you talking about that kind of buck yeah <laughs> what, what were we talking about oh, oh comic yeah, okay. books so, comic so books. yeah it was it was at least a 15 point buck and gorgeous uh, rack yeah yeah gorgeous rack i it was almost a shame to blow it the f- away <laughs> <laughs> He looked in my soul when he said that. <laughs> he did. Oh, wait, comics. Um, <clears throat> I, re- I read Mega Rise of the Black Swan, number one, from uh, Red 5 Comics. What? And it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a glo- Mega? Mega. Mega. Meh. With an E. <laughs> um, and it, it's a kaiju comic, a daikaiju comic. Uh, Fucking hybrid of Roman and Mike. Yeah. <laughs> And it was pretty I good. I saw MAGA, so I had to get it. <laughs> you just wait right there while I'll reload this and shit. Um, and this is pretty good. It's, it's uh, I don't know where this is. Buenos Aires, somewhere, I don't know. But there's this giant creature that rises out of the ocean and then burrows down in the earth, and which releases another giant creature. And it's just, the creatures are beautiful. Gorgeous art, really weird looking critters. Um and it's just what what how do people deal with these daikaiju that have shown up and they're sending out little spores or something and it's just about people trying to survive these things and there's some horrible gory scenes that the blood turns into the all these weird birds and flies off and forms a portal or something and to be continued 
Mm. <laughs> it was cool. Uh, Ant-Man number three by uh, Al Ewing. This is great. Just fun, classic Marvel weird adventure involving all the different Ant-Mans through time. Um, and in this issue, Hank Pym slash Ultron shows up because that's what happened to Hank Pym. He got taken over by Ultron. And it's I just love that he wasn't cheating on anybody in that issue. <laughs> no, no, no. Not that issue. He's done. He's he's an Ultron now. He's done with human relationships with the oh. fleshy, the fleshy <clears throat> sins. Ew. Yeah. Uh, who's, whose art style was it aping this time? Because uh, each of those Ant-Mans have been in the art style of the time. Oh, that's cool. Oh, um, I don't know. The artist is Tom Riley. I don't know. I didn't notice it was aping a certain art style. <clears throat> huh. I, I don't know. The <laughs> last one looked a lot like, uh, shit, I've already forgotten. Whoever did the Kirkman run on the Irredeemable Ant. Oh, I thought that was just this guy's art style because this kind of looks like that too. Hmm. Interesting. Um, did the first issue have multiple art styles it had multiple art styles there was like a past flashback scene with old art past looked like old bit. art right yeah. huh. I, I meant to bring that one home i like it may have been a it may have been a year one reference could have been could have been table freezes anytime we say that now it rolls over could have been could have been also based on batman i gave based on batman i gave batman three and eight and i gave mega mega uh Oh, I great also gave cover. it an eight. I also gave it an eight. It is a good wow. cover. Look at this. It's a great cover. I we flipped through it on Tuesday. Yeah, the art looked cool. Some of the art looked really good. Some of it looked really weird. Yeah, there was looking for a page at the at this massive. Oh man, when he scoops up all these this crowd of people between its horrible talon hand claws and, and the just art was pu- pushes gorgeous. its hand together and squishes them all. As far as Roman's white supremacist right-leaning comic books go, he has a lot <laughs> of them and mostly they're pretty poorly drawn. But So Roman, did you get squeamish reading that uh, that Sergeant Rock book today? No. A bunch of Nazis got killed. <laughs> <laughs> well that's just because they were dumb nazis did you know any of them were you any of them your friends any buddies no no the ones i know are much smarter than that they want to get killed <laughs> they'd avoid mike. that shit they'd, they'd wipe out all them oh. all them zombies of course mike is the one who brought maga home <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk about how roman's e's sound like a's to me <laughs> uh, i think dominic picked that up today nice yeah i thought everybody's e's sound like a's and vice versa uh-oh I guess you're right. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's always a slippery slope when you're using logic like that. Make com- make comics great again. That's all I got to say. It's a wow, we should make shirts up. that say that. Make we should. great again. <laughs> oh, wow. God. I hate us. This is bad. I don't terrible. mean that. Yeah, let's go. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, listen, everybody. We're going to get out of here. We're going to go do our other things. I'm going to make some. I'm going to eat some food that's been prepared. Django's going to design some shirts. Design some shirts. Roman's going to read more comics. I bet. Watch a watch a movie. What are you going to watch? I don't know, but it's almost time to. I mean, I can't do it till October first. But starting October first, I'm going to start watching horror movies because it's horror movie month. Dude, you can can do it any fucking day of the year. Well, my own personal rules is you have to do it from October first to October thirty first. That's it. You never watch horror movies outside October. No, for the you know how they have this thing called Hooptober. No. And and it's Hooper. It's like a basketball thing. No, it's, it's based be. on it's based on Toby Hooper, the director, and somebody like six years ago. I don't know. Did their you're horror. flicking my bean, aren't you? They did this horror movie watch during October, and they named it after Toby Hooper. But but so they see this on Letterbox, and people all do it as a challenge. 
but they all start like a bunch of them. They start like, you know, last week. And I'm like, it's not called Hooptember. They're just ranching your grundle. Roman, are you willing to go to a movie theater these days? I mean, like, would you go to Regal? I don't know. I've, I've been trying to because there's wrap this my head Dio, around that. Dio movie. I know that documentary coming up. Yeah, it's out. It's, it's out. Oh, shit. I, I I believe so. It's definitely like this week. Um, but there's some pretty cool retro horror movies coming out this month that I was like, oh, I want to see that. I can't remember even right now. I'm trying to find it. But there's a couple. Roman, of I've been like to like I see that. one or two movies since <clears throat> Regal opened again where there were like two groups more than I was comfortable with. It's it's mostly been yeah, and- pretty, pretty dang spaced out. Yeah, and Sean's been and stuff. And problem is, I, I've been thinking I wanted to go see Pearl. And uh, the last, like, three, two, three Mondays in a row, my day off. Mm-hmm. By the time Monday morning hits, I've completely forgotten about that idea. Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesday, I'm like, oh, shit, I should have gone to see Pearl yesterday <laughs> at the very first showing when no one was there. <laughs> this uh, podcast has gotten very uh, inside baseball, Bellingham. So we're going <laughs> to... Is that a basketball joke? It's Hooptober, man. Dude, did you know... Okay, in year go. one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in year one, Gordon is cheating Gordon on. Is cheating <laughs> <his wife. laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> well, my least, I love Batman Year One, but one of my least favorite things is that Gordon is cheating on his wife. <laughs> That's just your affectation. You always like, <laughs> and when it, it's, it's just that. Because when it does happen, it bums me out so much <laughs> that I have to look for it everywhere. <laughs> oh, there's my husband. Does your story have a fucking husband? You know what I love about The Godfather is that Vito Corleone never cheats on his wife in in that movie. Just the thing I like about that movie. It's it's a uh, like plus half a star, right? At least, yeah. At yeah. least. <clears throat> at least um and on that note i'm mike as always and this was an absolute pleasure you can send us an email to jeff at the my mom couldn't get that right i had to send her several text messages so anyone <laughs> like my mom jeff at the like was the mike the grundle thing T-H-E? too immature t-h-e yeah sure yeah. and and then comics is plural multiple comics yeah okay all right, thecomicsplace.com. All three of them. Was the Mike Grundle thing too immature? Was was it I don't I don't know, guys. I don't know if that was the one that we I should have, you know, like really gone off on when we were having a, kind of making each other laugh at the beginning, but that's where we that's where the merry ground stopped and where the momentum took us. Well, I'm Ron Rundle. Mm, and, I forgot uh, about your brother. I yeah. know I know you I know you guys probably think it's R O N. It's W R O N G. Ron Rundle. Wrong Rundle. Wrong Rundle. I grew up with this chatter hound under me. Yeah, it's the wrong Rundle. (laughs) Wrong Rundle. That's the wrong Rundle. (laughs) (laughs) That's not Mike Rundle. (laughs) 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 That's somebody else entirely's Rundle. Mike, Mike. Ah, hey, I'm, I'm Mike Rundle. Somewhere around here, Roman Rundles flopping around on the floor or something. Oh, gross! Like an old fish. Stop. <laughs> Put that Rundle away. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week for episode 288, an anniversary of sorts. What's the anniversary of? 40th. Oh, wow, cool. Oh yeah, we all. <laughs> uh, it already happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcasting is the future. See you then. Bye. Bye.